Well, happy anniversary. Look at the person next to you and say, happy anniversary. Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis 28. And as you're turning, I want to first of all thank the Holy Spirit and thank all of you uh, for the very worshipful music that we have just had. I just want you to know that my spirit has been spoken to. You know, you go to a lot of churches and your intellect can be stimulated. Uh, a lot of churches you can go and your emotions can be aroused. But I'll tell you what was great for me today. My spirit has already been spoken to. And I just want to thank everyone. And that's all of you because the congregational songs, as much as anything that was done here on this platform, really spoke to my heart. And I just want to thank you for your music and the centering on Christ. Now, this is your anniversary week. So let me tell you. Something as I've learned in my life, I've known the Lord as my Savior for 54 years. I just celebrated a spiritual birthday on November 8th, 1969, as a 12-year-old boy in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I personally, I came from a very religious background. I was born and raised a Catholic, and we were told, be good, do good, and look good. And at the end of your life, if your good outweighs your bad, you're going to get to go to heaven. Well, I got to tell you, by age 12, I realized that wasn't working real well for me. And I didn't need a religion. I needed a relationship. And as a 12-year-old boy, 54 years ago last week, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I can't say I've lived this perfect life by no means. And there's a period of my life that was like the people of Israel, saved out of Egypt, but not living in the promised land. And I wandered for a period in my life as well. But I do know that I came into a personal relationship with Christ uh, when I was 12 years old. And so throughout my life, I've noticed that there's three kinds of days. There are battling days, aren't there? Where you just sense, sometimes it's battling against your flesh. Sometimes it's battling against others. And sometimes you just sense in your life, I just sensed an oppression all day today. I just felt that all day today, I was in a spiritual battle. There's battling days in our life. And then there's building days. There's days that God puts things together and it, in you, you're exercised and you grow spiritually, truth that you get, or opportunities to serve, and you build. You build your faith. You build your walk with God. And there's building days. And by the way, that's the majority of days in our Christian life. Most of our days are battling days and building days. But every once in a while, God allows us to have a banner day. Now, we don't get a lot of these, but every once in a while, there's a banner day. And those banner days, you just take a moment and you celebrate what God has done. And you know what? Church anniversaries are banner days. This is a time to celebrate what the Lord has done. Let me tell you something. 1932, 1932, you know what's going on in Canada in 1932? 30 
10% unemployment. The highest unemployment in the history of Canada, 1932. A bushel of wheat in Saskatchewan sold for the lowest price it has ever sold in the history of Canada. 35 cents a bushel of wheat. Canada was depressed. Canada was in the midst of depression. There were more people living in cars than in the history of Canada. There was a great homelessness. It was depressed. But you know what? There was a group of believers in Simcoe that knew in 1932, we need, to, we need God. Amen. We need God now. Our country is in depression, but we are going to seek our God during this time. Now, I just want you to know that this church has gone through building days. This is evidence. It's gone through battling days, and every one of you could stand and give battles that you and this church have gone through in the last 91 years. But there's also been banner days, hasn't there? Amen. And you know, you take time and you remember those banner days. And that is today. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to remember the church today and the founder of the church. And I want to start in Genesis. You say, Brother Shea, you understand that the church doesn't start until Pentecost. Well, I want you to see something because the house of God was actually started here in Genesis chapter 28 otherwise known as Bethel. And Genesis 28, and I want you to look at verse 15. Jacob has had an amazing dream, and I believe this is Jacob's uh, salvation experience at that night that he had. And look at verse 15. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee. This is God speaking to Jacob, and I think this is Jacob's salvation experience. I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Wow, what a promise was given to Jacob. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, surely... The Lord is in this. Everyone together, what's the next word? In this. That was terrible. Everyone together, in this place. Surely the Lord is in. By the way, did you sense that this morning? I sense the Lord is in this place. And it says here, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. Now look at this. And he called the name of that. Everyone together. What's the next word? place and everyone together what did he call the name of that place Bethel. Bethel Bethel that's by the way did you know that's the name of your church 
This is where you got the name of your church. Bet is the Hebrew word for house. And El is from Elohim, God. The house of God. Now this is very interesting. I want you all to get a hold of this. So this is the place. I was uh, with Al Stone yesterday for almost seven hours in a car coming from Ottawa. So please pray for me today. I'm still recovering. <laughs> but we got talking about Simcoe and we got talking about Bethel. And I'm going to tell you something. Al's driving. But I'm telling you, he started crying at least five times. Just talking about this place and what's happened here. His salvation, his calling to ministry. This has been a very special place to Alstone and I know to, to many, many of you. And that's a good thing. The house of God, Bethel. But Jacob comes back to this place many years later. And he changes the name. Did you know that? Jacob comes back to this very place and he changes the name of it. Look with me, if you would, at chapter 35. And would you look down at verse 7? If you look at verse 1, chapter 35, verse 1, And God said unto Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there. So you're, go you're going back to Bethel, Jacob. It's been a long time since you've been back to the house of God. But you're going back now to Bethel. But notice verse number seven. Some of you may be wondering, why did pastor have somebody speak on anniversary Sunday that has no connection with Bethel? Matter of fact, he make it worse. Even an American he's got. Couldn't he at least gotten a Canadian? And why, why does he get a speaker that has no connection with Bethel? Well, let me tell you something. I do have a connection with this place. It's not at first the connection you think. When Jacob came back to Bethel, he renamed it. You know what he called it? Look at verse 7. He renames it and he calls it El Bethel. The first time he was there, it was about the place. But now Jacob comes back, and it's not about the place. It's about the God of the place. And he says, no, 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 this is no longer Bethel. This is El Bethel. This is the God of the house of God. Now let me tell you something. I don't have a connection with your church but I have a connection with the God of your church. And let me tell you something, that's the most important thing about this church. The most important thing about this church is not Bethel. The most important thing about this church is the God of Bethel. And don't ever forget that church, because whenever you make the church more important than the God of the church, you're gonna lose what you have at the church. And it's so important. Now, you say, Brother Shetler, is that the message? No, that's my introduction. Okay, so take your Bibles now and turn to Matthew chapter 16. I've just got two other passages I want you to see. I want to talk a little bit about the church today. And then I want to challenge Bethel today um, in, your, in your walk with God and as a church in Canada.
You can't be around Al Stone very long and not get a burden for Canada, and I thank God for that. Matter of fact, I want you to know, I said to him yesterday, I know of no American that is more burden for America than Al Stone is for Canada. And I got to tell you, that touches my heart. That really does. But you know, it's not even about a country. In Matthew chapter 16, we see that God, Christ, is going to talk about the third institution that he's going to set up on earth for our good. The very first one we find out right out of the blocks in Genesis it was the family. And the very first institution that God set up, by the way, the family is not man's idea. Marriage is not something that man created. Marriage is a gift from God to bring together a man and, the wo and a woman, and that is the only combination that works, a man and a woman in a loving covenant for life to produce fruit. Now that fruit can be children or that fruit can be spiritual fruit and souls. But the reason why God puts a man and a woman together in a loving covenant for a lifetime is to produce some kind of fruit. The verse that Marilee and I claim, we've been married for 43 years. And when we got married, we claimed Psalm 34, three. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. The purpose of our marriage is to glorify God. And every institution ought to do that and recognize God. And it starts in the home, in the family. That's where relationships are built. Then God gave us government. And we thank God for government. We thank God that government is always a representation of God on this earth. Even if it's wicked. God still works through government, and government is important. The only problem is we in the States and you in Canada have kind of lost what the purpose of government is. God gave us the family for relationships. God gave us government for protection. And the only reason why government exists is to protect mankind. It is very good that you honor the veterans. It's a very good thing to honor those. Matter of fact, Romans 13 says that they are ministers of God that carry the sword. Praise God for your defense, because that's the purpose of government, is defense. There was a French philosopher that said one time, he said, that culture, I believe the word was civilization, that civilization is doomed that believes that government is a cow to be milked instead of a watchdog to be fed. Now I'm going to say that again because that is a great statement. That civilization is doomed that believes that its government is a cow to be milked instead of a watchdog to be fed. The purpose of government is not provision. The purpose of government is protection. And God established the family. God established government. And we go about 4,000 years. And now we're in Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to see the third institution that God brought together. 
and its purpose. Look at Matthew 16 and verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, this is in the very northeastern section, it's really over by Syria. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I the son of man am? And they said, well, some say that thou art John the Baptist and some Elias and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now look at this. I believe this is the most important question ever asked to mankind. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? The answer to that question will determine your eternal destination. Who is Jesus Christ to you? Because if you believe that he's fictitious, if you believe he's just a historical figure, if you believe he was just a religious leader, that answer will cause you to spend an eternity in hell. There's only one answer that is correct, but whom say ye that I am? Now, we come to one of the greatest speakers ever, Simon Peter. Man, alive, you never know what he's gonna say. He's gonna either put his foot in his mouth or he's gonna kick it out of the park. Well, this time may be the greatest statement Peter ever said on earth. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Messiah. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Now look at this next statement. For flesh... And blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, I want to tell you something. There is no way anyone can go to heaven without Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He is the truth and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by Christ. Christ is the only way. But can I tell you this? You cannot know the right Christ from the Bible without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has, must reveal to you that Jesus is the Son of God and that God died on that cross for your sins. If less the Holy Spirit touches you, no man can figure, you know, logically speaking, I think this is, no, it doesn't happen that way. It can only be revealed through the Holy Spirit of God. Hey, Peter, you just gave the greatest statement you have ever said, Peter. But I will tell you, Peter, flesh and blood, you didn't come on that on your own. The only reason why you said the statement that you said is that God revealed that to you. And folks, that's important. Because every Sunday when we meet together at Bethel, we've got to realize it's not some things that pastor says that like, hey, this is really good stuff. Boy, that was really logical. Man, that was just, you know what? It's got to be touched by the Holy Spirit of God. And if there's someone here today that has never received Christ, the Spirit of God has to work that in a person's heart. And the Spirit of God has got to reveal that to them. And he said, flesh and blood have not revealed that unto you. Now look at this. This gets really good now. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter. Now look at this. Okay, go back to verse 17. It's just so good to read again. And Jesus said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, 
but my Father which is in heaven. Now look at verse 18, because on our anniversary, on 91 years of being a church, you need to hear this verse. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, all right, everybody stop. So let, let, me, let me explain. Peter's not the rock, okay? Peter's, actually, Peter's like a little pebble. He's called the pebble. He's like the little stone. And the rock, very interesting, is the statement that, Jesus, or that Peter just said. Upon the statement that you just said, I will build my church. Well, what was the statement? Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Now, let me tell you the foundation to Bethel Baptist Church in Simcoe, Ontario. The basis, the foundation of this church, the common bond that we have. We're all Canadians. That is not, that is not the common bond that we all have here. Well, that we, you know, we have some support groups here. Some of us are going through cancer and we have a, that's fine. I have no problems with that. But that's not your common bond. Well, we, we are all um, certain, no, no, that's not your common bond. Let me tell you the common bond of Bethel Baptist Church. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you get together, church, let's talk about your common bond. Don't talk about all these little things and movies that you saw and places that you've been. Oh, I, you can mention those things. But our common bond when we get together as an assembly should be the Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about this for a minute. I have been to this church two times in my entire life. I don't know you people. I don't know where you live, where you work. I don't know anything about you. And yet I stood there and I worshiped with you. And there was a bond that I had with you, not just the people in the choir. There was a bond. And that bond wasn't, hey, we're all from North America. No. That bond was that we all have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever received Christ as your Savior? Would you raise your hand? We got a bond. You're my brother and sister in Christ. And there is a bond there. Folks at Bethel, don't lose that. Our bond isn't that we all went through COVID together. That's not our bond. That one I want to forget. Okay? Our bond is our relationship with Christ. And that's what makes us a church. What makes us a church is the common bond of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at this. They love this. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, what you just said, I will build my church, my called out assembly. I will build my church. And look at this, folks. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I believe we've got that authority now. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth when we're in agreement as a church together shall be bound in heaven. Do you understand how powerful that statement is? That whenever Bethel Baptist binds together in the name of Christ for the sake of Christ, for the glory of God, and you bind together that which is on earth, God says, 
I have given you authority, it will be bound in heaven. Do you have any idea, church, the power that you have? Oh, this is an incredible moment to remember 91 years of God and Christ being the center. Man, on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ, for he had not come to his hour and not revealed it. Now our job as a church is to spread it everywhere. So I want to talk to you. The foundation of this church, your music today, spoke to my heart on the right person who we're supposed to lift up. In church, for 91 years, there has been one central figure of this church, and that's what you need to go forward with, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that you do filters through the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ that he is number one. He came from the bosom of the Father to the bosom of a woman. He put on humanity that we could put on divinity. He became the son of man so that we could become the sons of God. He was born contrary to the laws of nature. He lived in poverty. He was reared in obscurity. In infancy, he startled a king. In boyhood, he puzzled the doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature. He never wrote a song. Yet he supplied the theme for more songs than all songwriters combined. He never was a military general. Yet he boasts of the largest volunteer army the world has ever known. He never practiced medicine. Yet he has healed more broken hearts then all the physicians together have healed broken bodies. Folks, great men have lived and died, but he lives on forever. Yeah. Go stand in the gateway of the city of the dead and call the name of great men. Socrates! Here! Buddha! Present, Mohammed, here. But go call the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And an angel answers. He is not here. He is risen. Herod could not kill him. Satan could not seduce him. And death could not destroy him. All have failed, but he never. He is the ever perfect one. He is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. He is the bright and morning star. He is the root and the offspring of David. He is our redeemer. He is our savior. And he is the foundation of the church. Never leave Christ as the common bond, as the goal, and as the purpose of Bethel Baptist Church. So... What do churches do, Brother Shetler? We're celebrating 91 years. We've got an anniversary. What do we do? You have two ordinances. Baptism. How many of you have ever been baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. That's a great thing. That's a step of obedience. 
You did that to walk in newness of life and to let you publicly know that you're a child of God. Man, if you're saved and you've never been baptized, man, you need to show that publicly. That's what a church is for. A church baptized believer. You don't get together with a little group, by the way. You don't get together with just a little group of people and go, hey, you know what? Let's just baptize somebody. Now, it doesn't matter. It doesn't always have to be up there. You as a church could be someplace as a church gathering and have a baptism. It doesn't have to be at this place, but it has to be a church ordinance. God ordained that. And it needs to be by immersion, not by a little sprinkling. We're not talking about little infants. We're talking about those that have received Christ as their Savior, that in a church, they are a baptized believer. They give a profession of faith. You know the best way I always say that? I have something. Everyone together. What do I have on my finger here? What do I have? Everyone together. Ring. ring. What kind of ring? It's a wedding ring. Okay. So I don't know if I get it off or not today. Yeah. Okay. So I just took my wedding ring off. Whoa. Everyone together. Am I still married? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, if I never wear it again, am I still married? Let me ask you this. Is it possible for me to have been married and never wore a wedding ring? Is that possible? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. What, what, if, I, what, what if I got married and I, and I didn't have fingers? Seriously, I could be married and never wear a wedding ring. Then you say, well, Brother Shetler, why do you wear a wedding why, why do you, that's tough to say. Why do you wear a wedding ring? I'll tell you why. It doesn't make me married. It shows that I am married. You know why you get baptized? You don't get saved when you get in a tank of water. We don't believe that at Bethel Baptist. But what you do when you get baptized, you are saying, I want the world, I wear this because I want the world to know I married the greatest woman in the world. This is a symbol of my covenant with Marilee. And I want everyone to know that I'm a married man. By the way, the other reason why I wear it, if I come home without it, I'm in big trouble. But anyways... But I want to show. By the way, you go to heaven without getting baptized, you're in big trouble too, my. You are to show your public identification with Jesus Christ. Then we do it something else. Now, I've never been here for this, but we have the Lord's Supper. I just think this is the coolest thing. God knew that a church needed to stop and remember what Christ had done. Because we get so busy, we get going on stuff, and we stop. And as a body of believers, you don't have Lord's Supper at a person's house or whatever. You come together as a body of believers, and you remember and examine your life. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I pastored for 25 years. People ask me all the time, hey, what do you think the most important service is? I said, the Lord's Supper. Because it's a time for a church to reflect and remember what Christ has done. By the way, can I tell you this? There are only two reasons why we should ever go to our past. Now, today's an anniversary. So we're supposed to remember. We're supposed to reflect over 91 years of the church. How long you been in the church? I've been here for seven years. Reflect over the seven years. There's only, as far as I can tell biblically, there are only two reasons that anyone should ever go to their past. Everything else is no trespassing. Here are the two reasons. The only two reasons I can find in Scripture to go to your past. Number one, to remember the love God has shown you. And number two, to remember the lessons God has taught you. 
And everything else is no trespassing. Some of you have never moved on from your bad past. There is no scriptural basis to ever go to a bad past. There's only two reasons why you ever go to your past. To remember the love he's shown and to remember the lessons he's taught you. And that's why we, we, at anniversary, we remember the love that God has shown at Bethel. And we remember the lessons that God has taught us over the years. Pastor, how long, where is Pastor? Pastor, how long you been here? 13 years. You remember what God's done? Don't ever forget those. Those are memorials. That's why this is a celebration. You remember those. Do you remember some lessons God's taught you? Yeah, a few things you've learned. And those are the only two reasons why you ever go to your past. So we got two ordinances and then we have two offices. I want to talk about this for a moment. We have deacons. If you're a deacon at Bethel Baptist, if you've ever been a deacon at Bethel Baptist, would you raise your hand? You ever been a deacon? Okay, we got some. All right, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you something. Deacons, you're servants. And you're here to serve this flock and you're here to serve your pastor. And God in this organization put these deacons together and praise God for them. And there's another office. I want to talk about it for a minute. That's the pastor. Now, you guys have a rich heritage here. I think it isn't that the, like the first like 50 years or 60 or there was only two pastors here. And that you have a pastor today that is fruit from your own church. Folks, that doesn't happen anywhere else. Now, listen, I don't know your pastor that well. I don't. But I know him a little bit. And I'm telling you something. Church in Canada, in Simcoe, Bethel Baptist, you ought to thank God for your pastor and his wife. God has given you a man with a vision, a man with a heart, and a man who teaches and preaches the word of God. And I'm going to tell you something. This is very important. At the end of this message, I'm going to challenge him in front of all of you about something. But he is your under shepherd. Now, let me tell you, the shepherd of this church is Jesus Christ. But the under shepherd and God in his, in his providence and in his ordinances of the church says there needs to be a pastor. He manages, he oversees, and he leads with a vision. Get behind your pastor's vision. Find out how to pray for your pastor. Every Sunday when you come to this church, you ought to go to that man and say, hey, pastor, what can I pray for you this week about? What can I pray for you about this week? Man, that is huge. You've got a problem with this church? Something's going on you don't like? Don't you be talking to everybody else in this church. You go to that man. And you get, you get the right time with the right words, with the right motive, and you have the right response. And you say, Pastor, I was thinking about this. Pastor, why are we doing this? You don't go talk to five other families in the church. God ordained this as two offices. And those are pastor and deacon. And then the last thing, and we're done. There's two obligations. One is edification and the other is evangelization. We are to edify each other. Folks, you do not come to this church only for what you can get. You come to this church for what you can give. And every one of you have a spirit. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your spiritual gift. God has given every one of you a spiritual gift to exercise. Teenagers, are you listening to me? Yeah, well, maybe when I'm in my 20s, I'll... No! 
You are important to this church. Senior saints, let me tell you, this is your prime time to start exercising. Your, you got more time now than you've ever had. Yeah, but uh, it's not working like it used to work. Well, we don't, you know what? Every person in this church has been given a gift. Every person in this church needs to exercise that gift. We need to edify the body of Christ. When you come here, now listen, I, I cannot tell you how long it's been that I was so blessed by a music ministry as I was today. But I'm telling you, as good as your music ministry is, that is not the heartbeat of this church. Man, you guys got to edify each other, build each other up, help each other, and you need to serve as well. Edification. Number three, or number two, is evangelization. You exist to reach Simcoe. You exist to reach Ontario. You exist to reach Canada for the Lord Jesus Christ. You exist to reach this world. Folks, the only, you guys have to understand for 91 years, what is the purpose of this church? And the gates of hell will not prevail. I will build my church. It's going to grow. People are going to get saved. And you're going to be a part of that. I told you I got saved at 12. When I was 18 years of age, if you asked me, how many messages do you remember? I don't think I could have given you one except for the one I'm about to tell you about right now. I was 18 year old. I was a senior in high school and I was kind of far from the Lord, to be honest. But I was in a good Bible Baptist church in Traverse City, Michigan. And that church was growing and God was doing something in that church. But I don't remember the preaching and I wasn't living the way I should. But I remember we had an evangelist and that evangelist came and I don't remember his name. And I, I, I think my mom and I, I come from a broken home, so it was my, I was living with my mom. And, and mom and I, I think we went to the services every night that week. But I don't remember the guy's name and I don't remember any messages except for the last message he preached. He got up and he gave some scripture. I don't know what it was. I think it was probably John three sixteen, but I don't know. He got up and said some scripture. He prayed. And then for the next 45 minutes, he preached if you call it that, on his German shepherd. He had this dog. And I don't remember the dog's name, but I remember for 40 minutes at least, he spoke about his dog. He just talked about his dog. He talked about the tricks the dog did. He talked about how the German shepherd saved his life one time. He talked about all these things about this German shepherd. He had his laughing. He had his cry. I mean, he just talked about the German shepherd for 40 minutes. Man, we're all in it. Man, we were engrossed in those stories. And then I remember, he tells a story that he's out in his yard and he threw a stick and the stick went out into the road. And there was a county road out in front. And the stick went out into the road and the dog ran after and the dog wasn't paying attention. And I remember he said, a green van came by and hit my dog. And the dog was killed. Well, folks, I got to tell you, when he said that, I mean, for 40 minutes, we heard about this German shepherd. And then the German shepherd, boom, got hit and killed. Well, you, you could start hearing sniffling. People started crying. And those were the men, you know, well, you lost your dog, man. And people started crying. And I'm going like, oh, man, man, that was a great dog. You lost your dog. And then he did something. As long as I live, I'll never forget he went around the side of his pulpit 
And he pointed to us. And he said, Bible Baptist! Bible Baptist Church, shame on you! Shame on you! You can cry over a dog and let Traverse City go to hell. And I got to tell you, everyone's kind of wiping their eyes and they're straightening up. And they're going, like, oh yeah, what was I thinking? And you know what, folks? I'm going to tell you something. We have forgotten what we're here for. And we got to reach this generation. This is our moment. This is our time. Bethel Baptist, you have an incredible spirit in this church. You've got to reach these people now. Simcoe needs to be reached now. There's, look at what's happening to your country. There has to be compassion. Listen, boy, we got it really going good over at Bethel Baptist. You got to come to one of our services. It's the best music program in the world. That's all great. But I'm telling you something, man. You got to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I got one other thing I wanted to say really quick. Take your Bibles and turn to Exodus 14 because I got something for your pastor. Pastor, you coming back in? Come on down here for a minute. Look at Exodus. I want you to turn to Exodus 14 for just a minute. Pastor, I, got, I, I really, I knew it was your church anniversary, so I really wanted to go all out. Man, I got to tell you, I can't think of a more expensive gift I could have got you than a tent pig. Bethel Baptist, would you look at Exodus 14 with me for just a minute? This is where Moses is going to deliver Israel out of Egypt. And they're at the Red Sea. And the Egyptians come after them. And uh, when the Egyptians are coming after them, they all get upset at Moses. Moses, what did you do? You brought us out here to die. Look at verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Now look at verse 15. And the Lord said, get ready, Bethel, I'm going to need you. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Now as far as I know, this is the only place in the entire Bible that God told someone to stop praying. God told him to stop praying. Wherefore, criest thou unto me? Hey, Moses, you don't need to pray with me, to pray to me anymore. Look at this. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore, criest thou unto me? You speak unto Bethel Baptist Church, uh, otherwise known as children of Israel here. <laughs> and look at what he says. Help me out. That they, everyone together, what are the next two words? That they what? Oh, that was terrible. Everyone together, that they what? So let me tell you, Pastor, what those two Hebrew words are. Go forward. Literally, in the Hebrew, look it up. It means to pull up your tent pegs. Here's what, he, here's what he said. Hey, Moses, I've done everything I'm doing for Israel. I have been with them. I have blessed them. I have given 10 plagues. I have proven my power to them by the Passover dinner. I have done everything. You tell them, I'm not doing any more. You pull up your tent pegs and you go forward. And when you go forward, I'll part the Red Sea. 
Now, let me tell you something. For 91 years, Bethel Baptist has experienced the, the hand of God. For 91 years, your church has received a blessing. I'm not saying you've never gone forward in faith. You wouldn't be in a building like this without it. But I'm telling you, I believe after this morning, this isn't just a, this is a nice thing to say when you're a guest speaker. I believe this this morning after being in this church, that the greatest days of Bethel Baptist are not the past 91. Amen. I believe that the greatest days that this church can have in Simcoe, in Ontario, and in Canada are ahead of you. Amen. But it's only going to be based on one thing. You got to pull up your tent pegs. And you got to take your step. You got to go forward. You got to pull up your tent pegs. And you got to say, God, I'm going forward for you. So, Pastor, I'm kind of putting a little pressure on you. But I prayed with you beforehand. And I sensed this when we prayed just before we came out. Can you say before your congregation that you are ready to pull up your tent peg and you're ready to go forward for God and that you're not satisfied of where you are right now and you're ready to pull your tent peg up by faith and go forward for God and see what God can do in this community, in this province, and in this country, and in this world? You, you, you're, you're ready to pull up your tent peg? Because I'll tell, tell you what, it's a pretty expensive tent peg. <laughs> but pastor, I do believe you have that spirit. I believe God's given you a staff. And I believe God's given you a vision. Pull up the tent peg and go forward for Christ. That's for you. Now listen, folks. Now it's your time. It's your turn to pull up your tent peg and say, God, I'm ready to go forward with the church, for the church, and in the church. Maybe there's something in your life right now. By the way, I don't know who's in here. My friend, if you have never trusted Christ and he has today revealed the son to you, you know you've been in a very special service today. You know that just even the music alone pointed to the one who has got to be your savior. You need to pull up your tent peg and you need to say, Lord, I, will you save me? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be. That's the pulling up the tent peg. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you have to do is pull up your tent peg and God will do the rest. Some of you in your life right now, God's working in your heart about some area. You need to pull up your tent peg and you need to step forward and you need to go forward for God. Let's, let's stand to our feet and, close, uh, and, and with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to ask, I'm going to have a word of prayer for your future, and then I'm going to ask something. I'm going to have pastors stand down front here, and I'm going to encourage some of you. Some of you that you need not, well, you know what, I need to pray about what I heard today. No, you know what you need to do? You need to pull up your tent peg and go forward. Go up to pastor and say, pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready to move forward. Maybe, maybe God's talking to you about somebody to witness to. Maybe God's dealt with something about an area of your life. You need to pull up your tent peg and go. It is impossible to please God without faith. Some of you have had your tent pegs in too long in this church. It's time to pull those tent pegs up and say, you know what? We're ready to go forward, Pastor. My wife and I, we're ready. Whatever you need, whatever needs to be done. I'm ready to pull up my tent peg and I'm ready to go forward for you. Now listen to me. God spoke to your heart today. 
encourage your pastor and exalt your Savior and pull up your tent peg and come on forward and tell pastor, pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready to go forward for you, for, for the church, for God. And I'm ready to pull up my tent pegs and I'm ready to see what God could do with Bethel. Don't be satisfied where you are with your little camp. Pull those tent pegs up and let's see what God could do. Father, I pray for this church this morning. I thank you for the service. I thank you for the music that I've heard and the blessing that, the, that this place has been to me today. But now, Lord, I pray that on the 91st anniversary of Bethel Baptist, it won't be about the place. It'll be about the person of God today. God, may today we make it El Bethel. It is the God of the house of God that matters. And Father, I pray today that we will pull up our tent pegs and take our step to go forward for you. Father, I pray this under shepherd would be encouraged this morning. And that, Lord, we would have a congregation in Simcoe, Ontario, that would say, God, I am ready to go forward for you. God, if there's someone here today that does not know you, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that they would call upon you, that the Holy Spirit revealed the Son of God to them today. Father, that may not come back again. God, may they respond to that. If there's someone here today that has never received Christ, God, may today they pull up their tent peg and call upon Christ to save them. And I pray for the church membership, young and old. I pray some teenager come down to say, Pastor, I'm ready to pull my tent peg up. I'm ready to go forward for the Lord. Father, as good as this service has been, now we need to put some action. We need to go forward. I pray you'll speak to hearts this morning. I ask these things in Jesus' name. As the music begins to play, God's called. You know what? It's time to pull that tent peg up. Go forward. Can you come? Can you tell your pastor? I'm ready to go forward, pastor. <laughs>